Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message with teaching pastor Daryl Feemster. I'm excited about what God is doing in our midst. Have you sensed it over the last few weeks that every week it just seems like there's just been a step up of what God is doing? And Pastor Chris is on sabbatical, as I shared with you at the beginning, and uh, he's starting his second week today. And so you continue to pray for him, and I am so thankful for you as a church body that gives that time of rest, and he'll be out for for five more weeks, and and I'm excited that uh, uh, that he's getting this time and being able to refresh in the Lord's presence, but also just rest. And uh, I have so enjoyed his um, series on revival, and uh, my heart was stirred. As uh, as we begin to think about that, and when you hear testimony of the Lord's work in history and you see what God has done, my heart burns to experience afresh that life change and the refreshing, the cleansing, and the glory that comes with a move of God. And last week, uh, as I heard something as clearly as I've ever heard the Lord speak, I'd been preparing this series of messages and I knew where I was going, what I felt like the Lord was saying, and and all of a sudden that I realized that uh, uh, God, this is more than just a series of sermons. And I heard just as clear as a bell, go, go for the glory. Go for the glory. And I understood it as a personal invitation for me to ask and to seek and to cry out for God's glory to be revealed. And immediately, the scripture that came to mind is the text for today. It's Exodus thirty-three, eighteen, where Moses said to God, Please show me your glory. Please show me your glory. And last week, after the first service for the next few hours, I was having a personal time with the Lord. And so today and over the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at glimpses of glory. Times from Scripture when the Lord demonstrated His glory. And let me just say this up front. Just a glimpse of His glory will transform your life. Charles Spurgeon calls this the greatest request a man ever made of God. Show me your glory. And I think he's right. And uh, But here's the thing. If I were to ask you this morning, what is the glory of the Lord? I would imagine we would have as many different definitions of the glory of the Lord as we have people in here. And probably the predominant definition would be, I'm not sure. What's the glory of God? So I'm teaching pastor here, and so let me just teach you a little bit about what... The glory of the Lord, the glory of the Lord, that phrase, exactly that way, is used 109 times in Scripture. Sounds like something God's wanting us to get. The glory of God. The glory of the Lord. That precise phrase is 109 times. And there's multiple others that speak of His glory and the demonstration of His glory all throughout Scripture. But so, what does it mean? It's used in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. So let me give you some words. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew... Of glory of the Lord is, the word for glory is kavod. Kavod. 
The word means the weight, a weight or a heaviness or a substance or an abundance. In other words, it was a, a renown, an honor. It was someone who had much weight to who he was. Kabod. In science, it would be the mass of an object that, that, uh, of matter. It would be the mass of it. You know, it's amazing to me. Connie and I went out and looked through the telescopes at space and we went through those things and, and, and now they're studying the dark matter. I don't know why they call it dark, except that they can't see it. So it's matter they can't see. And do you realize there's more what they call dark matter than there is the matter we can see? And so the whole point I'm trying to say is the weight of that, they don't understand it, but they know it's there. <coughs> and the, the whole thing, the, the kavod is talking about, is, as it's talking about God, it's talking about the essence of the Lord, who He is, His character, His nature, His attributes, His power. And the word Lord in Hebrew is Y-H-W-H. In the Hebrew, there's not vowels. We, we get our word Jehovah and Yahweh from that word. It was the word when Moses asked God what his name was, he says, tell them, I am that I am sent you. In other words, I am. Yahweh. It's used over 6,000 times in Scripture. But it's translated, if you look in your Bible, it won't say Yahweh or Jehovah or that. It will say capital L, capital O-R-D. All caps, Lord, because the, the Jewish people, the Hebrews, would not speak that name. They thought it was too holy to say. And yet that's the word that is used here when it says the glory of the Lord. It was the manifestation of Yahweh. The mass of His, the abundance of His presence. In the Greek, it's doxa, glorious doxa. It means a manifestation of the true nature or presence or likeness. And the word Lord is carry on, which means Lord, Master, or the one to whom you belong. So preacher, what are you telling us? Thanks for the lesson, but what are you saying? The glory of the Lord is God manifesting Himself and being present. God being Present. God, the real God, the, great, the self-existent one, being present in time and space. It's God manifesting Himself. And I hear somebody say, well, isn't God always present? And the answer to that is yes. In fact, there's three facets of presence, of God's presence, that you find in Scripture. The constant presence of God we call it His omnipresence, that God is everywhere, that God, there's no place existing that God does not already present, including hell. Psalms 139. So there is the constant presence of God, the omnipresence of God. Then there's the continual presence of God that is taught in Scripture. This one goes a step further and involves the presence of God with those who know Him. Jesus said, when two or three gather in my name, there I am in the midst. There's a presence, there's a, a continual presence of God. He also said in Matthew twenty-eight twenty that, lo, I am with you always. There is this continual presence of God. 
But what we're talking about when we talk about the glory of the Lord is the third facet is what is called the conscious presence of God. This is the manifest presence. And that's what I'm calling the glory of the Lord. The experienced presence of God. The God, it's God being Himself, taking and manifesting His majesty. It's God in action, acting, doing and being what God alone can do and be. It's God's character, presence, character and presence prevailing in the atmosphere. <clears throat> I think of Jacob waking up from his dream, sleeping on a rock, and all of a sudden he says, surely God's in this place. There was an awareness, a consciousness of God's presence. Pentecost was the pouring out of the Spirit. There was the conscious presence of God. It's God declaring Himself in person and in authority and in power. And we're going to be looking over the next few weeks as glimpses of the glory of God. The glimpses of the glory of the Lord throughout Scripture. But I wanted to give you kind of an introduction to define it, but also look at a man who got a glimpse. That's where the Scripture is in Exodus 33. So if you're there, you're on, you're on target. Moses was asking, show me your glory. Show me your glory. Show me your manifest presence. Show me your character, your attributes. Show me who you are, what you're like. Show me God... As much as you can show me. Now, if anyone ought to have had been experienced with the glory of God, it should have been Moses. You see, 33, Exodus 33 is a long way off from Exodus 3 when Moses started. Moses had experienced the glory of God multiple times. <laughs> In fact, if anybody should have known what the glory of God was, it was Moses. He, he had been miraculously spared from death by, as a baby. He had been adopted by Pharaoh's house. He had been trained and educated to the finest ways of, uh, of Egypt. He was to be the deliverer of these people. But when he tried to deliver, it turned into a fiasco and he was banished to the backside of the desert. And there God spoke to him through a burning bush. God's manifest presence. He was called, commissioned, and he sent. And, and going to Pharaoh, he led two million Hebrew children out of 400 years of bondage. God moved mightily through Moses in ten plagues, the Red Sea, water from the rock, manna from heaven. He had a personal encounter with God on Mount Sinai and, and in the tent of meeting. Scripture says that Moses talked with God as a friend, as with a friend. And, and, and as if that wasn't enough, In verse 18 of chapter 33, Moses says, Please, show me your glory. You want to say, duh. Look what you've seen. And here's the point I want you to hear. I don't care how many times you've experienced God's manifest presence or what He's said to you and and you've experienced those personal encounters. If you have ever got a glimpse, you want more. You want more. And let me tell you, there's more for you to have. There's more. Not more of God, but more manifestation. There's more of what He wants to reveal. There's more of what He wants to do. And one of the appealing things about Moses' account of getting and asking for His glory was He was in His late 80s. That gives me hope. He was in His 80s. 
You see, it wasn't that he was a young man looking for something to do. He was an old man that says, God, I'm not satisfied. I want more. Show me your glory. I want to know you. Now Moses, when he said this, was in a time of dire straits. He wasn't just wanting to have another experience. For Moses, when he said this, there was no other alternative for Moses. Because in context of this verse, verse 18, in chapters 32 and 33, Moses was in the presence of God getting the Ten Commandments, experiencing the instructions of the covenant and even of how to build the tabernacle where God would come and be with His people. And while all that was going on, the people were at the bottom of the mountain who had grown tired of waiting and had taken the plunder of the Egyptians and they had fashioned a golden calf and they called it Elohim. Did you hear that? They called the golden calf that they fashioned with their own hands Elohim, which means the supreme God. This is the God that brought you out of Egypt. They had replaced Yahweh... With a golden calf they had fashioned with their own hands from the plunder of Egypt. And God says, Moses, you've got to get down. You've got to go down. And Moses comes down to the people and there he throws down the tablets that had been inscribed with the finger of God, of God's commands. And he breaks them there at the foot of the mountain. And he destroys the golden calf and 3,000 men died that day. And Moses now goes back before the Lord to intercede for the people before God. And it's in that context that Moses says, God, show me your glory. I want to see your glory. There's something that burns in my heart for our nation and for the situation that's going on in the world right now that I really believe it's, it's going to be a glimpse of the glory is the only hope for our nation. A glimpse of glory for God to come and show Himself as He really is. For God to instruct us and to show us how to walk in these days. But let me just tell you, I want to see the glory of God. I want to see God manifest Himself. Be what only He can be. Do what He can only do. I want His character and His presence prevailing in the atmosphere of this place and in our lives. It may be the only hope this generation has. But how do you get there? Well, let me tell you how how you don't. Because we're good at trying to make things happen, aren't we? First of all, you don't get there by just making the atmosphere right and proper. You see, if, I, if we just get this atmosphere right, God will show up. So we gather beautiful building and we play and we sing reverent music. We put fire, flowers and plants all around, put life all around. We get everybody quiet and reverent. Do you know what I've just described? A funeral home. You see, it's not about atmosphere, it's about presence. It's about desiring God's presence. You can be in a shanty. I loved what Pastor Chris, it was a place they cleaned out a stable and God showed up. 
It's just not the atmosphere. Well, but preacher, if we just got everything right, if we, if we got the prayer down, if we got the confession down, we got the repentance down, we read our Bible, we attended more, we sacrificed and we served more, God would be duty bound to show up. And if we're really honest, <laughs> here's what we really mean. If you would get as right as I am, God would show up. So it's y'all's fault. Now, we don't say that out loud, but you know, if people would just pray like I pray, if they'd just know what I know, if they'd just do what I do. Let me tell you something. God's never been impressed by human effort. He's never been impressed by human effort. You see, what pleases Him is faith and obedience. It's easy to forget that my righteousness is not based on my performance, but on Jesus Christ and my relationship with Him. We're not right with God because of what we do, but because we are in Christ. Because of what He's done. We do right because we are right not to get right. Let me say that again. We do right because we are right through Jesus Christ not to get right. It's not about your performance. And then for some, the devil has convinced us you have no right to expect God's glory anyway. You don't deserve His glory. You deserve His judgment. Just look at yourself. Why would God want to come to this place? Why would He want to come upon you? Why You don't really believe that things are going to be any different here, do you? And these accusations seem so reasonable because they are so right in our own thinking. And when you agree with them, when you believe there's nothing more that God has for you, when you believe that you don't deserve it, which you don't, you're going to miss the greatest thing God has to offer Himself in all of His glory. Okay, preacher, now you told us what doesn't work. What does? What's it take to see the glory of God? I want you to look at Exodus 33. And I'm going to say something that sounds real simple, but it has a lot more to it. First of all, you've got to want it. And let me tell you, we don't experience the glory of God because we're satisfied with what we've got. You know, yesterday's glory is enough for me. How about you? Yesterday's no. Yesterday's experience is never enough for what God has for you. You got to want it. Moses had a desire that burned within his heart. Every encounter left him hungry for more. And now God, God, and here's what God had just said to him: I'm not going up with you. I'm not. You go on and lead these people into the land of promise, but I'm not going with you. I'll send my angel for you and he'll drive out all those things, but I'm not going with you. And we think that's God being mad. He wasn't mad. He just knew if he went with us, he would destroy it. He said, I'm, I'm not going to go with you lest on the way I destroy you because you're a stubborn people. And it was God's mercy that he was saying, I'm going to send an angel. But, but, uh, but Moses knew something. He said, God... You've got to go with us. It is your presence. It is your manifest power and grace and love that makes us who we are. You've got to want it. Look at verse 13. And here's where you see it for, for Moses. Moses said, 
Uh, now, therefore, I pray, if I found grace in your sight, show me now your way that I may know you and that I may find grace in your sight. And consider that this nation is your people. Lord, I want to know you. I want to know, I want to know your ways. I, I want to know you. I want to become progressively more deeply and intimately acquainted with you. God, there's things that I don't understand. I want to know you. I want to know that I found grace in your sight. I want to know that I found favor. Isn't that, does that burn in your heart? God, I want to know you. Don't you want to know his ways? Don't you want to know what he's up to? I mean, listen, everything's going around and around. What's God, where are you at? What are you doing? I want to know you. Lord, show us your glory. I want to know with assurance that you've, that I found grace. I want you to deliver this people. you got to want it. Number two, you must have no other alternative. Look at verse 15. Then he said to God, If your presence does not go up with us, don't bring us up from here. Lord, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't bring us up from here. God, your, your glory is not optional. Your presence is not optional. Let me just say something about New Covenant, and I want you to hear me. Uh, this is really important to us. This is, we want the church built. The most important thing about us is not our singing, not our preaching, not all. The most important thing to us is about the presence of the Lord. I'm talking about the manifest presence of God. If you don't realize you're sitting in the manifest presence of God, we have failed in our intercession and prayer and, 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 and desire. We want so much. The most real thing to be about this congregation is that we want the glory of the Lord, the manifest presence of God. We want Him to be in our midst. Do what only He can do. Show us what He can only show us. Be who only He can be in our lives. God, there is no other alternative. Well, I'd like to see it, but if I, if I don't, I'll just keep plodding along. No. I don't want to plod anymore. I want to see His glory. I want to know the manifest presence of God in power and demonstration, not just so that I can say I've had an experience, but that I would know God and see and understand what He is doing in our day for my generation. Lord, if you don't go with us, don't lead us up from here. Number three, you must see God as your only distinction. Look at verse 16. I'm going to read it from the New American Standard. For how then can it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not by your going with us, by your presence, so that we, I and your people, may be distinguished from all other people? God, unless you show your glory, how will people know that you've called us and separated us to be your people? Pastor Chris said this in his sermons recently. He said, you know, it's, it's a shame that right now the church is really no different from the world. Let me tell you what's going to make the difference. The presence of God. That makes our, that's the only distinction. That's what's going to make the church distinct from the world. It's the presence of God. The manifest presence of God. 
God, you and you alone are the only vindication of us being your people. Us being who we are and where we are. It's God. It's God. It's His presence. Let me ask you a question. Is God what authenticates your walk? Is it God that authenticates your walk? Or is it your performance and your dedication? Is it God that distinguishes you from others? Is it His presence? Or is it your dedication, your service? You must see God, His glory, His manifest presence as your only distinction. It's what makes you, you. Now here's the most amazing part. The Lord answers Moses. Here's the hope. He'll answer this old man too. God, I want to see your glory. I want to walk in it. I want to experience it. Lord, I'm not satisfied with yesterday's experience. I'm not satisfied when I was a young man and what when you wrote preach in my mind. I'm not satisfied when you turned and turned Connie and I upside down in the reality of your righteousness. I'm not satisfied with my experience. I'm not satisfied with what God did at New Covenant back in the 90s. I'm not satisfied with any of that. God, I want to see your glory for our day, for our time. And the Lord answered it. Look at verse 19. Then she said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. And here's my prayer. God, parade your goodness and proclaim your name in my generation. Parade your goodness. Proclaim your name. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But God said, you cannot see my face, for no man can see me and live. And the Lord said, here is a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock. Capitalize the word rock. So it shall be while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock. Capitalize that again. And will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Note that it's God himself that places Moses in the cleft of the rock. Now I know that rock was a, a cliff. He literally, God had invited Moses back up to the mountain, and he's, he's saying that I'm going to do this. And he does in chapter 34. I'm not going to spend the time. You don't have the time, neither do I. But if you'll look at chapter 34, if you'll look at the verse six or seven verses of chapter 34, God does exactly what He says. The Lord descends in a cloud on the mountain. And He paraded His goodness and proclaimed His name. Now listen to me. And He took Moses and He put him in a place beside him. And it's on the rock. You do know that rock is Jesus. That rock is Jesus. You see, the greatest... (laughs) The... The only way you and I will see the glory of God manifested is to be standing in the rock of our salvation. The greatest expression of the glory of God is in Jesus Christ. 
John 1.14 And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld His glory, the manifest presence of God. And the glory, the manifest presence of God as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 18 No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who is in the bosom of the Father has declared Him, has manifested Him, has revealed Him. And this same Jesus in Hebrews 1.3, who being in the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person and the upholding of all things by the Word, by, by, by the Word of His power, when He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high. Jesus was God in the flesh, come to do what only God could do. Come to declare that the Godhead was present in bodily form. To see Jesus is to see the full glory of God. And unless you see it there first, you'll never see it for you personally. Hear me again. Unless you see it first in Jesus and come to receive Jesus as being the full expression of the glory of God, you will never really understand the manifestations that He's going to give you as He leads you in growing up in Him. That's important. You see, God wants you to see His glory and it begins in His Son. But it becomes personal by the power of the Holy Spirit. How do you get it? How? God wants us to be a container, a prism, a reflector of His glory, but how? First of all, you've got to believe it. Now, hear me, it's not a mental assent to what the preacher is saying. It is really coming to trust Jesus, to put your entire life into the hands of Jesus. What hypocrisy it is to say, God, change our world, change our church, but don't expect me to change. You see, real faith, real trust says change our world and let that change begin with me. You are Lord. Do whatever you want to do. And when God finds hearts yielded to Him, His glory is not far behind. Number two, take the veil off. Take the mask off. We all have them. We all wear them. We have a religious mask. We have a performance mask. We have a righteous mask. We have a judgment mask. We all have a mask. Take the veil off. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Isn't it funny? 33, 18, and chapter 3 of 2 Corinthians 18. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory, the manifestation of the presence and nature of the Lord, are being transformed, metamorphosed into the same image, into the same image from manifestation to manifestation, Manifestation to the manifestation, justice by the Spirit of the Lord. As you begin to behold Jesus, the glory of the Lord, you yourself are being changed, taking on His glory, His character, and are progressively coming from glory to glory, from manifestation to manifestation, as the Spirit is working in and through you. But listen to me, it's with an unveiled face. Take the pretense off. Put down all your expectations of what it might be and what it might not be. And just let God be the author and the finisher of who He wants you to be. Receive the revelation. Show me your glory. 
You see, seeking the glory of the Lord is not seeking an experience of something. It's seeking someone. And as you see Him, you are being transformed. Metamorpho. It's that word where the caterpillar is cocooned and turned into a butterfly. Becomes a new creation. You become something you've never been before. And that's by the glory of the Lord. And over the next few weeks, we're going to talk about the glimpses that we find in Scripture. And sometimes the hindrances that keeps us away from those glimpses that to experience what God has for us. Here's my heart. I want to see the glory. I want to experience it. I want to know it. I want to know Him. Do you want to see it? Is that your only alternative? Is it your only distinction? Is that what makes you different? Here's my prayer. God, show us your glory. I believe with all of my heart, our present day history hangs on Him answering that request. I believe the life of this church, the revival, I think it depends on God manifesting His glory. And it starts to start with the hunger of the people that says, God, I want it. God, I don't have any other alternative. I don't, I, Lord, I don't, I'm not going to take second best. I don't want another alternative. I don't want another experience without you. I want you. I want to know the real you. So I take the veil off. I take all my pretense. I lay aside my expectations. And I'm saying, God, with an open heart, with an open mind, show us your glory. Would you stand with me? I don't know how you respond to God. That's not important. The important thing is, do you want it? Will you lay down everything and let Jesus be Lord? Will you allow Him? Would you see it first in Jesus? Receive Him. Receive Him. And let the Holy Spirit then manifest everything He wants to do in you. You may have had experience after experience after experience. Don't you want more? Don't you want fresh? Don't you want God to do what only He can do? Say what only He can say? Be what only He can be? Then the prayer is simple. God, show your glory. Greatest request man could ever make. So Father, we come to the altar this morning saying to you, Show us your glory. Lord, surprise us. Be what only you can be. Do what only you can do. Transform our lives for your name's sake and as a parade of your goodness. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. 